Hello, hello, hello. This is Kelly. I'm Danielle. I'm Keely. And welcome to Aguda Murder Podcast, where you'll hear about sharp kills and cheesy thrills. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gouda Murder Podcast, where we talk about sharp kills and cheesy thrills. This is Kelly, and I'm joined here, of course, with my Gouda gals, Danielle and Keely. Hi. Hey. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Hey. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about you, but I have definitely, this is like one of the highlights of my week. I wouldn't say like always, but I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming together with you ladies, talking about some crime, mystery, ghost stories. And really macking on this cheese. Honestly, but, you know, yeah. you know. It is definitely a highlight of my week as well. I yes. look forward to this. It's in yes. my calendar. Let's go. So I fun. get very excited for Kelly's uh, cheese design. Cheese spread. Yeah, shark. I wish you guys were here to see this. Like, it's literally the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Know, we'll so post hungry. it somewhere. It makes me so excited that I really haven't eaten much today. So I'm like, hell yes. We're I'm about to dive to go to into town this. on this shit. And, you know, one of the other things that made me super excited about this week was also because... Um, we are diving into a very special state of the United States that's close to my heart, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, little tidbit about my fun facts. Uh, I am not necessarily born in Wisconsin, but all of my family lives there. So I am a native. It is in my DNA. (laughs) Born, bred, not born, but definitely just, just, it's in my veins it's in my roots whatever that could mean i love wisconsin and um it was really hard for me to really focus on this because uh, wisconsin is if none of you know is the dairy state or yeah. aka the cheese state literally mm. the best state in the united states i'd say yeah i've driven there just for cheese it, who i mean it's the highlight like yeah. you go to wisconsin one you have cheese yep. two you have beer yeah what more can you want I mean, there's the there's football, there's landscapes, there's there's north woods, lakes. I mean, there's everything. Like, oh, it's just it's just it's just my heart and soul. And so, it is a part of the Midwest, right? It is still Midwest. Oh. It's northern. It's quality up north, up north, going up north. You know, northerness. Northerness. I love it. And so, yeah, very excited about this week's episode um, because we're dealing with Wisconsin, and of course, cheese state so many things to consider wisconsin is the cheese so it's not just one cheese but the cheese it's just all the cheese there Mm -hmm. are over i over 126 cheese plants in the state of wisconsin jeez and obviously without saying that's more than any other state in the United States. And they're not even that large of a state, It's really. not I a mean, huge state. I mean, it's, 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 it's comparable. It's, yeah, it's I mean, um, I would say from top to top to bottom, maybe like an eight-hour drive. Yeah. But uh, I could be wrong. Could be guesstimating around there. Not as big as California, though. Not it's as big as, not, not, definitely not a California, definitely not a Texas, but a still a hearty, a hearty state. Dang. Yeah, 126. That's a lot. I want to move there and just go work at one of them. I know. Why Cheese curds? Oh, Life. my God. Oh my God! Squeaky. If you ever have cheese curds anywhere, even like Culver's, I love you Culver's, yeah. but it is not real Wisconsin cheese curds until nope. you're actually in motherfucking Wisconsin. Yep. Go into some dive pub, get some cheese curds. The, the, it's ugh, I can't even. Uh, it's the so squeak, amazing. The squeaky. I'm having a moment better. here, guys. Honestly, honestly, do, you need, do, you need do we need a, a break? I, I need to pause. No, I'm just too excited. So. <laughs> 
of course, as a cheesesteak, I wanted to go down the list. Um, there are obviously multitudes of cheese. And what, I'm going to ask you guys, uh, what do you think is Wisconsin's number one cheese? Produced. Produced. Like cheddar. Right. I, I, I mean, my go-to to say would be cheddar. Yeah. But I honestly am not 100% sure what other oh, cheeses See that The twist. So, uh, surprisingly. You said good, I'm going to die. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if it was. By Actually, the way, if you haven't listened to our Gouda episode, make sure you go listen. Go back and listen. Um, actually, okay, a little interesting thing, which I didn't think so, because again, you think of Wisconsin, you think of cheddar cheese. No, actually, surprisingly, Wisconsin's number one made cheese is mozzarella. <gasps> Cheddar's but number two. fire. It is fire. It is super fire. And the reason, point being, is because Wisconsin makes so many cheeses, mm-hmm. of course, a variety of cheeses. Yeah. Um, mozzarella is technically number one, making, produ- they produce up to about 39, 33.9% of like the United States cheese, or oh like from the gosh. state. I can't, can't remember. So a third? Don't quote me on that. Uh, a hard third oh, oh. is mozzarella. Uh, close mm. second, I would say closest second, is 19.5% is cheddar. Okay. 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 All right. So, but because, because it's Wisconsin, and because the, you know, majority rule is, we're going to be talking about cheddar cheese. Beautiful. Oh, perfect. Hell yeah. Super excited. Um, Can't wait to hear all the fun facts. All the fun facts of this cheddar cheese. Uh, I'll just do a quick tidbit. So, of course, cheddar cheese wasn't created in Wisconsin. You know, this is the melting pot of everywhere else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Melted cheese, Mm, delicious. Uh, but Did so you say a cheddar fondue? A fondue per you? Me too. Okay. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, original origin of cheddar cheese okay. is actually the United Kingdom. So England. Okay. It is from the town of Cheddar mm. of Somerset of England. And uh, it's usually relatively a hard hard yeah. cheese. Hardy cheese. Block block cheese, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And has an aging time anywhere from three to 24 months, depending on the variety. Because again, you get the cheddar jack, you get the sharp cheddar, you get the mild cheddar, there's, you get the jalapeno cheddar, you get the bacon bits uh, cheddar. Like it uh, goes on and on. The list on. is endless. The list is endless. And so, I love, I love this endless list. I always get really confused when I'm going to buy a block of cheese too, when they have all those different, sh- I'm like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Oh, I'm going to grab all of it. Okay, this is what this means. Mix okay, this in. is the loy, mo- the loy, the loy, the low moisture, high moisture. I love it. I, I love will. It. You're going to be on so, speed dial. It is, it is. <laughs> um, We're FaceTiming her right now. Another quick tidbit before we go into our actual scary storyness. Cheddar is the most popular cheese in the UK. Oh, okay. okay. So it's number two in Wisconsin. Number one in the U.S. Cheddar is number one in the U.S. It is considered... Ah. Uh, oh, actually, no. I'm so sorry. Oh. Take that back. I lied, guys. It's number one in the U.K., <gasps> making up 51% of the country's uh, cheese production. Oh, wow. And that's like a 1.9 billion euros, or which is close to 1.9 billion-ish, give or take a little bit more, U.S. dollars. Dang. What? It's hella... That's- that's some cheddar. That that's is some, that's some, that's making heavy, that cheddar. That's some heavy cheddar. Um, number two in U.S. Okay, again, after mozzarella, which okay. is very again surprising. Right. But you, you know, the U.S. We love our pizza, and that's I'm gonna like, say that mozzarella and cheddar are just right there. They're with right each other. there. They're yeah. neck right and neck. There, They're really, really close. Uh, U.S. produces approximately three billion pounds. Oh my of cheddar. Uh, yeah, of cheddar per year, which is close to again thirteen thousand tons. Jesus oh that's a gigantic block of cheese, according to Stis, Stis, 
statistics. I'm so excited, you guys. Words are so hard. Stats uh, from researchers of 2014, so it could be a little lower than that, but I'm going to assume it's way more because cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I'll take a break from that from now. We'll circle back on this cheddar info, and I'm going to leave it up to Danielle. Thank you. All right, guys. So today it's going to be a pretty heavy one. Uh, We're going to talk about one of America's most gruesome crime scenes and the monster who inspired some of Hollywood's most terrifying killers. The man, the myth, the legend, Ed Gein. Mm. My favorite. Yes. The mean Gein. Yes. He is also known as the Butcher of Plainfield. Spoiler alert, he was not butchering animals. Was he an actual butcher? No. Professional? No. Okay. You'll okay. find out. I'm no. just, I'm just <laughs> clarifying. He was a man of many hats, I will say. Ooh. So uh, <laughs> this case is very disturbing and very graphic, so I will try to give trigger warnings uh, when I talk about some of these details. Good luck, Kelly. Yeah. I know, I'm yeah. so scared. <laughs> also, I would say, because I listen to podcasts with my kids a lot of the times, I'm going to say that this episode's rated very mature. Mature, okay. Um, and I would not suggest listening to this with your kids or with them in the direct vicinity. Because mm. some of these, yeah, anyway. If you get queasy, too, at the mention of, like, I don't know, dismemberment and skin suits... Listen at your own risk. God. Okay, yeah. It's a good thing we don't record visually. Visually? Like, visually. Yeah. yeah, like we don't have a camera on us right now. Oh, man, oh, we're making God. a YouTube next. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not so fancy. <laughs> God. We'll get there. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't know about you guys, but for me, horror movies have always been my favorite genre, even okay. growing up. Horror I'm- movies, thrillers. Thrillers, yeah. psycho thrillers, yeah. you know, mess with my brain, but don't mess with my eyes, okay? Yeah. That's that's oh, my man. jam. Okay, okay. I'm going to stick with, like, Disney cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> no. I love all of the... I mean, Bambi was pretty brutal. Oh, it will, my mom didn't let me watch that movie for a long time. I'm just going to let you guys know that. And Fox and the Hound, you know how depressing that, <gasps> that dang movie Life's starts so out? so crushing, so crushing. When Grandma, when that little old lady just, just turns and looks <laughs> away as she's driving. <laughs> oh, God. Heartless bitch. <laughs> makes you makes me want to cry Honestly, and just like you know I'm already eight crying. year old me seven year old five year old I don't know traumatized for life I'm like oh my god why is she so sad no oh my god <laughs> who would do that who would do that? sobbing uncontrollably damn Disney and they're like hey that was released like thirty years ago are you okay you're like <laughs> no I'm still not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Well, a couple of the movies that I watched, like, religiously growing up, I watched The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Have you guys seen those? Yeah. Yes. No to The Texas. I... Don't yeah, Silence of the Lambs. See, I think I've, I I I saw what was it the other the Red Dragon one. The other oh, one the se- like the sequel to it. Yes, well, it's like I, a prequel. I saw that one. one. I did not see the actual Ed Gein dude one. So okay. I love Anthony Hopkins. He's oh, he's a badass man. Yeah. What about Psycho? Have you guys seen oh, like the, the old school so- show Psycho? Yes. Yeah. Not the new one that's on like Netflix. No. Okay. So I've mean, seen the old school Psycho. Like you know Norman Bates and. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. 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 Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, did you guys know that all three of those are loosely based off of a true story? Gross. That's right. Leatherface, Norman Bates, and Buffalo Bill were the serial Norman killers. <laughs> yep, they're the serial killers that were inspired by real life murderer Ed Gein. What? Mm-hmm. Just the same dude? All three mm-hmm. of those guys? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll talk about uh, that more, but uh, let's get into that. it. I have a lot of information for you guys. We don't have a lot of time, so I will say I found most of my information from articles online. And I listened to a uh, podcast called The Serial Killer. It's a two-part series on net, on Spotify, sorry. Um, and we will list all of our sources in our show notes, yeah? yes? Yes. All yep. right, so with that, are you guys ready? Absolutely. I don't know. Dive That's in. too I'm here. I'm here. 
All right, all right. Let's Where's get into it. Bucket right there. Good luck. Yep, okay. yep. All right. <laughs> so Edward Theodore Gein was born August 27th, 1906 in La Crosse County, Wisconsin. He went by Ed or Eddie. Um, he was uh, born to Augusta and George Gein. They had two sons. Uh, Ed's older brother, Henry, was born in 1902, so he was about five years older than him. Okay. Growing up, Henry, the older brother, okay. that was a long time ago. I was ago. like, what? Wait, nineteen. Beginning of the 1900s. Oh, wow. Long time ago. Okay. Yep. Okay, got it. So growing up, Henry, the older brother, was more outgoing and friendly, uh, while Ed was known to be more feminine and odd. Just mm-hmm. an oddball kid. Mm-hmm. Back then. Yeah, back then. At school, he was bullied relentlessly. Uh, he had a speech impediment. He had severe social awkwardness, and he had what people called a lazy eye, but in other places I read that it was like a flat, fleshy growth on his eyelid that caused it to droop. Um, yeah. So he was lazy or droopy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he was bullied horrifically for that. Um, but his home life was by no means a reprieve from the school bullies, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. unfortunately. No rest at home. Nope. No rest. So the father, Fuck. George, he was an abusive alcoholic who struggled to hold down jobs. Um, he worked a lot of odd jobs. One of those was, like, tanning animal skins, which mm-hmm. he passed down some of that information to his youngest son, Ed. Mm. Just keep that little snippet there. Hobby yes, tanning animal one. skin is, like, when they remove, like, the hide and they, like, the clean it and use it for yes. furniture and yeah, random. Yeah, like, once, once it's removed from the actual animal, said animal, usually yep. deer, whatever, cow, what, I mean, whatever. Whatever animal, it is, yeah. The fur is removed and then the skin use, is like, the treated. hide of it. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. treated somehow. Yes. Yep. Ugh. Um, so his mom, Augusta, she was a religious fanatic. She was a devout old Lutheran, and people described her as psychotic, manipulative, and domineering. Yeah. She was constantly... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She... Yeah. So constantly, uh, she's going on and on about, quote, the puritanical preachings of the sins of lust and carnal desire, end That's quote. That's Yeah. She taught her sons that women and sex were evil. Yeah. And I just think of, like, Waterboy, Bobby. like... That girl is the devil. devil. Yep, 100%. Kathy Bates, like, probably mimicked her in that movie. Oh, gosh. So, Augusta moves her family to an isolated farm in Plainfield, Wisconsin in 1915, uh, partially so that she could control her family and not allow them to be tainted by the world and women. Because she said uh, women were painted harlots with short skirts and makeup. Yes. Again, that girl is the devil. Who doesn't love short skirts and makeup, though? I know. It's It's a little early for its time, though, you know. I know, okay. So Augusta is also known for being very verbally abusive, um, and she would mock, taunt, and oftentimes shame her sons. Yep. Um, at one point, she caught Ed masturbating in a bathtub when he was 12. So what does she do? She pours hot water on him, and she says, quote, your penis is the curse of man, end quote. Um, uh-huh. Side note, I think that this was the start of his struggles with gender dysphoria, but we will talk about that later as well. Um, this verbal abuse did not stop at her sons, though. Her husband, George, would threaten to cheat on her and leave the family, and she would snap right back and call him a failure, a drunk, and she told him that he was not able to fulfill his husbandly duties to her. She just, like, flipped it on yeah. him. Was like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. like, yeah, well, you suck. Yeah, pretty much. They were just always, they would <laughs> taunt each other. Yep, they're taunting each other incessantly. They're trying Jeez. to provoke each other to violence, which it did get violent sometimes. Yeah. Um, Healthy home life. Honestly, honestly. Mm. So Augusta oftentimes prayed for George's death in front of Ed and Henry because her religion forbid divorce, and she mm. refused to let her sons grow up like their dad. Yeah. Um, but despite his mother's atrocious behavior and abuse, Ed idolized her. He practically worshipped her, and he had an unhealthy attachment and obsession to her. He called her a saint. 
uh-huh. of all things. Like, Yikes. Um, in fact, his first moment of sexual pleasure actually is linked to his mom and a bloody corpse. I'll go ahead and give you a trigger warning well, here. Yeah, I mean, find it, like that. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> just wait, just wait. Trigger bit. warning, y'all. Um, so apparently, like before moving to Plainfield, the fa- the family must have owned like a farm and a grocery store. I read that a couple different places. Um, so when Ed was seven years old, he defied his mom's strict rules and he snuck into the slaughterhouse that was on their property. Okay. Mm-hmm. There he saw his mom Augusta standing next to a hog carcass that was hanging from the ceiling. He watched as she sliced it open and gutted it, which left her covered in blood from head to toe. Um, He later says that it was so exciting for him that he uh, ejaculated in his pants for the first time while he watched his mom mutilate this pig corpse. Oh, my God. So, as you can imagine, this had a huge impact on his brain, um, and it linked Augusta and death in his mind for the rest of his life. Like, that's Yeah, bad. Memorable. Very, very memorable. Core memory there. Great. I know that, that she like brain. saw him eventually and was like, you know, what do you think or whatever? And he was just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So throughout his childhood and his adulthood, he was considered like a hermit and Ed rarely left the family home. He never dated and he was just obsessively devoted to his mom. Even at, oh God. Even as an adult. He was, he was the definition of mama's boy. I'm going to say. Yeah. In my opinion, I think that Augusta like, saw him more as, like, the husband or the man of the house mm-hmm. instead of uh, George. Right. Um, I don't... I didn't read anywhere they had, like, a sexual relationship. Like she humored the fact that he, like, worshipped her. Correct. Correct. She She's like, like, yes. Mm-hmm. That was George's that. replacement in her eyes. You know, she doesn't need the sexual aspect. She's a religious fanatic, whatever, whatever. I sex don't know. Sex is the devil. Uh, the devil. Yeah. yeah. She, You're she just not supposed to have sex to breed, yeah, essentially. She, she loved that that attention. Yes, she absolutely. She got whatever she wanted from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, in 1940, Augusta's prayers are finally answered, and George passes away from a heart attack. Um, So, after his death, Henry and Ed, who are still living, obviously, at home, they have to step up and work more odd jobs to support the family. Okay. Um, Once George is out of the picture, I can only imagine how much weirder Ed and Augusta's relationship got now that the husband is... Like, how old would he be, like, like roughly, like, how old was he, like, when that happened? When his dad died? Yeah. He was born in 1906. So he would have been like late thirties. Okay. okay. Or early still at home. mid. Yeah, still at home. Still yeah. at home. Never dated. Never left the house. Yeah. Um. So nothing indicated that the relationship between Henry and Augusta was anything like the weird, unhealthy one that Ed and Augusta had. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So in fact, the relationship started to deteriorate when Henry started dating a woman. Okay. This woman was divorced with two kids. Which was an unforgivable sin yeah, to Augusta. Divorce, yep. yeah. She prayed for her husband's death because her religion forbid divorce. It's like, yeah, if you die, it's fine, but yeah. divorce you. What? Absolutely not. <laughs> now, so, speak of um, that. Exactly. What are you allergic to again? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So one of Ed's odd jobs was actually babysitting, and he helped out his older brother by watching um, this woman's two kids while they went out on dates. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's he, a really uh, nice brotherly thing to do. Isn't it? Isn't it? Um, apparently the relationship was getting pretty serious and they were talking about moving in together, which again, mm, that's so sin. sinful. Living mm. in sin. Mm. How could you live with each other and Despicable. sleep with each other before marriage? Disgusting. Oh man, I do that every day. Yeah. Gross. Know what you're getting Sinner. into. I know. Know, what you get, yeah. know what you're getting into, mm-hmm. folks, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I want to know all of your nips and crannies, exactly. all your dark secrets before we... You gotta let me meet your mom because yeah. it's that's a red flag immediately. Mm-hmm. You want to see my nicks and crannies? Yeah. You're married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I, yeah. 
I lived in sin and now I'm married. So what does that tell you? Oh my gosh. Success. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it works for some. Yes. Yes. So Henry, um, like I said, has always lived at home. So he's always noticed the weird codependent relationship that Augusta and Ed had. Right. Um, and he actually started to become more vocal about uh, how unhealthy it was because it was very concerning to him. But not long after he started to call out his mom and his brother on their weird behavior, tragedy struck. Or was it something more sinister? Oh. <laughs> That was perfect. That was really great. That was, that that was, was a good cut. unrehearsed cut. Honestly. <laughs> so on May 20, or sorry, May 16th, 1944, Henry and Ed were clearing brush on their property. They had started a fire. You know, it's one of their odd jobs they got to do around the property. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, Ed started the fire initially, and it had gotten out of control. He says that he lost sight of Henry, and mm. after being unable to locate him, he calls police to report him missing, or I don't know if they had, like, phone phone. I mean, it's 1944. They probably so, had phones. But he contacts police. Maybe. Says that his brother's missing. Right. So police come, and Ed leads them directly to Henry's body. There's no, like, he's missing, I can't find him. It's, here's his body. <laughs> I couldn't find him. Oh, yeah. wait, here he is. Yeah, so I don't I know if he... I looked back, I found Yeah, him. I don't know what happened Just there. Just kidding. Yeah, so there's no autopsy done, and the cause of death was due to asphyxiation. Um, but before his death, it was noted that Henry had suffered some suspicious head wounds that left significant bruising on his head. But it was an accident, apparently. That's all there is to it. We're just burning brush. I don't know where he went. Oh, the police. Oh, here he is. I don't know how those bruises got there. This was like 1944. This was 1944. And they had medical uh, ability to see that he had bruises on his head You see bruising like after like, you know, as there's no autopsy, autopsy, but like as you're getting the body ready to be buried, whatever, Mm -hmm. then yeah, you see the bruises because I mean, bruises don't go away. No. Like, right. Yeah. It, it, it just, once you're dead, it just sits there. Correct. And those bruises happen before you die. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because the yeah. blood's not flowing after you die and it you're less likely there. to get bruises. Yeah. And you know, you think back, like, you know, back in the 40s, like, there's no, I mean, <sighs> nobody was probably wearing gloves or like shoe covers. No, yeah, you're still a cigarette half hanging out of your mouth as you're cutting old people. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's uh-huh. no mask. There's no goggles. There's it's nothing. just, just digging it. No. No. Yikes. There's no OSHA. There's nothing. Yeah. So, in my opinion, with Henry becoming more vocal about Ed's obsession with Augusta, I think Ed started to... All right, oh, so, um, hello, here's plane. a plane. Midwest living. Oh, yeah, if anybody needs a reminder, we are recording outside, um, because it's nice out in the Midwest, so why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah, and we have this lovely little, like, three-season room out here. It's beautiful. Thanks, so you Grammy. Get, mm-hmm. you, get the whole, you get the whole environment with us, guys. Okay? Really? It's not, we're not in a fancy studio. No. We, don't have, we don't have microphones. It's literally off somebody's phone. Yep. Yep. We're literally just winging this shit. We're winging it. And we're, just and for you. Just, this is part of the journey, you guys, so please... Stick with, stick, us. stick with us. Stick around. Yeah. We'll yeah. get there. We'll yeah. get there. <laughs> get the funds. All that jazz. All right. So, um, like I said, Henry became more vocal about uh, Ed's obsession with his mom. So I think Ed was like starting to see him as a threat to their relationship, and maybe he murdered him to either appease his mom or to get her all to himself, because it said that her world revolved around him and she was the center of Ed's universe. So mm-hmm. after Henry's out, because George dies, now Henry's out of the way. And there's a little period where they're just by themselves, and I think that that was probably the way they preferred it. So, yeah. however, this, you know, peaceful, serenity, little honeymoon phase that they get all that by themselves yeah. um, doesn't last long. Does not last long, and tragedy strikes again when Augusta suffers a stroke. Um. Ed becomes her full-time caretaker. He fed her, changed her, 
Ugh. bathed her, dressed her, you name it. I bet you, you know. Mm, yeah. You know, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Like, it is even, very hard. Even when you don't have a close relationship with your, you know, I wouldn't say parents, but like spouse, anything like that, like after something serious like that, to be the caregiver, that's hard. It's hard. That's really hard. But then you add on that, you know, weird relationship. That weird, close relationship. And I don't know, like, I'm sure Ed was loving it but uh, you think about like oh my goodness like that is much more intimate not even you know obviously exactly again, not not sexually but just like that is an intimate thing you were relying That's a on next this person level intimacy for everything you need yes yeah. yep they know every yeah Mm-mm. yeah you got a speck on your left yeah. nipple yeah gross yeah. so he's doing his thing he's being her caretaker um and then on December 29th, 1945, she suffers another stroke and she dies at the age of 67. Okay, okay. Ed was obviously devastated and it's said that he wept uncontrollably at her funeral. Uh-huh. He became severely depressed and he started to neglect all of his household chores and the yard work. So the farm started to, to uh, deteriorate. Right. Mind you, he's 39. He's never yeah. lived by himself. Yeah. And his entire mm-hmm. world is now dead. Gone. Yes. That's a crack. Yes. Have you, crack did in you the look up the photos of the house? Mm-hmm. Like before and after? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my. Mm-hmm. It's like a beautiful yep. little farmhouse. And then uh, you look at after like the mom had passed away and this house is just a shack. It, it looks like a hoarder basically moved in. Oh, wow. Like, Except the rooms that his mother frequented. Those mm-hmm. rooms he preserved yep. like a shrine were or like perfect. a museum. Yeah. Literally left them like she had left them. Those areas are pristine, neat, tidy. Uh-huh. And then the rest of the house is like, like a hoarder's house. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Like that. that is some clinical stuff right yep. there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's said that he regularly visited Augusta's grave um, and he eventually had what he and psychologists call a mental break. <laughs> yes. You're cracked. You're egg cracked. Yes. That's so to speak. Yes. So this <laughs> mental break was obviously most likely caused by um, the death of his mother, mother, and then all of his mental illnesses were coming together, and they created the perfect storm. Okay? He was later diagnosed with schizophrenia, mental incompetence, sexual psychopathy, symptoms of acute transvestism, fetishism, and necophilia, plus Jeez. the gender dysphoria that his mother instilled with him when he was... 12 and yeah. said that his penis was the curse of man yeah 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 so i don't know if you know this curse the, in my pelvis honestly you were you you gave me this when you gave birth to me and now yeah. you're telling me that it's the curse of man like i can't imagine in his head like yeah what we're, he was going through where are we going <laughs> honestly so i'm gonna go over just some definitions for his um diagnoses just because i knew a little bit here and there about him but i didn't know the full yeah, and i feel like if you know stuff. what he's diagnosed with you kind of can understand more Gets the reason why he's doing yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. okay yeah, so, um, schizophrenia is described as thoughts or experiences that seem out of touch with reality. Disorganized speech and or behavior. Decreased participation in daily activities, i.e. he became a hermit after his mom dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has uh, difficulty with concentration and memory. Okay. Um, mentally incompetent is the inability of a person to make or carry out important decisions which prohibits them from consenting to their decisions and understanding the consequences. Okay. 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 He, sexual psychopath is someone who is deviant, menaceful, uh, sexual impulses, and are not able to control them. Acute transvestism is when an individual experiences recurrent, intense sexual arousal from cross-dressing or dressing as the opposite gender and also has the urge to do, or sorry, the urge to do so causes significant distress or impairment to their daily life. 
which they call it, like which is like very close to like said the sexual psychopath. Correct. Whatever. You yes. Said. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because he's not able to control them, and he it's interfering with his daily life. Um, fetishism is when recurrent intense sexual arousal from using an inanimate object or focusing on a non-genital body part, like a foot, causes significant distress, mm-hmm. substantially Fetish. interferes with daily functioning, or harms another person. Yeah, that's not good. Necrophilia mm-hmm. is an erotic attraction to corpses and an abnormal fondness for being in the presence of dead bodies. It's a very broad definition because most people, when you hear necrophilia, you think, oh, you're having... Yeah, you're, you're doing the body. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's very broad, and in um, a lot of cases, like this one, it's basically just his fondness for being in the presence of okay. dead bodies. Okay, so he doesn't have to actually... There's mm. no... There, there necessarily- we'll see. We'll see, yeah. <laughs> well, in this yes. vocabulary lesson, it's yes. like necessarily you're not touching them. Yes. In s- you just have a desire to be near in them their for presence. whatever reason. Okay. Yes. Now, is this dead bodies? Is in like actual human corpses, or is this dead bodies like anything? Oh, like you animal. like to know? The plot. You fix. just wait. Hold on. Oh my ones. gosh. Um, one more. <laughs> Gender dysphoria is a sense of unease that a person may have because of a mismatch between their biological sex and their gender identity. Okay. 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 Now, this is back in the 1900s. This is not 2022. It's not as... Right. Yeah. But even to be, like, diagnosed with all of that, even back then, Mm -hmm. is pretty serious because you think, again, you know, these these definitions, like, it, it... I don't know, like, maybe they were, like, broad spectrum. Granted, like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who mm-hmm. was, you know, diagnosed with one of these disorders may could have just, like, oh, no, they just, you know, something else. But yeah. to have that that list. It took an entire page in my notebook to write yeah, all those. Yeah, it's like, a yeah, yeah. huge little, you know, a whole, you know, wide-ruled notebook. That was yeah. our, all of our vocabulary. And mm-hmm. um, that's that's pretty serious. That's uh, concerning. Yeah, and, I mean, back then he hadn't even been diagnosed with them at this point. He was just, all of these things are kind of come into a head mm, so okay, uh, okay i mean yeah he probably didn't even realize what was happening but um and not getting any help correct yeah. not getting correct. any sort of help and now every, his whole world is gone mm-hmm. and he's just living in his house preserving the rooms that his mother has and letting in. everything else go correct letting everything correct. else go and probably himself his yep. own his own health because again there's no mel- there's no mental health back no, in the 40s it's just no. you do what you got to do and get it done and if you are having a problem with it, well, then either you're a sissy or yeah. you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you know, you, you're thought of as, like, being lazy Correct. or incompetent. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's hard. That's really hard. Very hard. So all of these disorders are developing as he's becoming a recluse, you know, creating shrines to his mother. He's also dressing in her clothes, and he's constantly visiting her grave. Um, he never really speaks about his sexual orientation, but psychologists say that he has, like, a feminine identification. So he didn't really identify as a man. Um, again, he's realizing that his mother should have made him a girl, and he's desperate to get back that one person who gave him, like, some sort of purpose, okay. right? So trigger warning, a couple minutes here. Um, after 18 months of depression and severe mental illness, he decides to dig up his mom's grave. I miss he, her too much. Yep. He removes her head and he replaced her body and he took the head home. We'll talk about uh, in more detail what he does with this, but to give you a little hint as to why he just took her head, he wants to become her. He's wearing her clothes. I'll yeah. let your imagination wander with that one before we talk nice. about it. Yeah. I just yeah. need the important part. I'll just yeah. take this top part and yeah. leave everything else behind. I just don't need really your anything face. Else. Hey, yep. you know that scene from The Office when uh, when Dwight <laughs> cuts I the CPR dummy's <laughs> face off? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Top tier. I don't know if he was inspired by Ed Gein. But maybe a, 
Yeah. So Yeen <laughs> is emboldened by this this act that he does, and he actually starts grave robbing. So between 1947 and 1952, he makes regular visits to three local cemeteries. There's Plainfield, Hancock, and Spearland. And during this time, like in the 50s, so he was born like early, you know. 1906, yeah. So he's like in his 40s. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just keeping yep. a time, time reference. Yep. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm 30. This dude in his 40s. He's a full-grown adult at this full point. Full-grown man yes. doing all this. Okay. Yes. How did he know what graves to dig up, you might ask? Yeah. Well, he had a system. Oh, he had a system. He would uh, scan the newspaper obituaries for his type, which was a middle-aged to older woman that resembled his mother. He preferred people that he knew, but as long as they resembled mom, he's good. Mm-hmm. Can't mow the lawn, but I'm scoping out the newspaper. Yep, yep. Yes, Later yeah. on, like after all this is investigated, they uh, please speak to like a grave like a, the leader of the not the leader of the graveyard like the owner whoever whoever <laughs> yeah. this is and is he this goes, a cult yeah he goes <laughs> the there's no the way that he could have been a grave digger you know he there's no way he could go unnoticed doing all these things yeah. well that's probably because he somehow found an accomplice to help him carry out his grave robbing damn um he it was a grave digger that he referred to as Gus which is like I mean somehow these crazy people always find each other. I don't know what yeah. Gus's motivation for this was. I don't know if he was paying this, him. Yeah, because Ed was like a Your sister, vibe you know? attracts your tribe. Honestly, honestly. And they are nasty great diggers. This is why we're talking about trees and murder. Yes. Vibe attracts the vibe. Yes, 100%. That's how we found each other. I said vibe and vibe. Vibe, 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 vibe. There you go. See, I'm just too excited. So with the help of Gus, <laughs> he would exhume the bodies. Sometimes he reburied them untouched. Sometimes he took the whole corpse. But in most cases, he took pieces. He later admits to making at least 40 visits to these graveyards during the five-year time that he spends grave robbing, and he says that he robs at least nine graves. Unfortunately, though, this doesn't last long. Um, His gravedigger accomplice, he says, was committed to a home in 1952, so now he's unable to carry out this grave robbing without getting caught, without Mm -hmm. the help of somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. So he eventually gets desperate, and his desire to become his mother forced him to turn to murder. Da, 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 da. I just miss you so much, Mom. I just Honestly. have to be you. Mommy dearest. I just have to be you. I have to be you. So at some point, Ed does make himself known to the local townspeople um, and helped with odd jobs. Like window repairs, painting homes, other repair work, and babysitting. Ugh, gross. Yes. Who fucking wants a 40-some-year-old man babysitting your kids? I'm sorry yeah. if you have, like, a, a trustworthy uncle, grandpa. Like, I mean, that's different. But, but in like, this case, they probably shouldn't have. Been. Probably not a good idea. Yeah. Well, the town, they referred to him as weird but harmless. And weird but I'm, harmless. Yeah. I'll watch my kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they said he was odd but polite and dependable. So okay. he's okay. a weird guy, but he's he's you know he's, he's okay. But you know what? Like, because he was ones. pretty feminine, I'm sure that that made him seem really trustworthy, though. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was a huge. I don't know you know, like sweet older who your children are being watched by, Correct. like the feminine femininity if it's a man or not thereof. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like sexual orientation should not be a thing. Right. It should, I don't know. Shouldn't be a man. Definitely should uh, vet the people watching your kids a little bit closely. Maybe you, you know what I mean? Maybe them a little bit more. And if you but I mean, describe them as, time. like, you know, creepy yet yeah. harmless, maybe not a good thing. Maybe not. Consider. Maybe yeah. not. Those two. Other. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Other. <laughs> they can't. Should, should have been should. considered. Correct. Put an ad out in the local paper, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So he got to know some local hunters, too, but he refused to hunt deer or kill with them because quote-unquote, he could not stand the sight of blood. 
is what he says. Me too. Yeah. Gein, I don't like the smell of it. It smells like freaking rust, like pennies. I hate that. Irony. Ugh. Mm. I don't like it. Keely. So, <laughs> like, mm, yeah, so good. So Gein was known as an avid reader, especially of true crime, and he would actually lo- hang out at the local ice cream shop and discuss <laughs> recent cases. He <laughs> would offer insight into the inner workings of the criminals' minds. Insight. And if if the case was close to home, he often took credit for it. For example. My type of person. Gene was at a local tavern supposedly talking about the case of a local woman who went missing. Ed joked that the woman, quote, wasn't missing. She's at my house right now. I put her in the back of my pickup and took her home, end quote. Townsfolk just laughed him off because in their eyes he was harmless. (laughs) But this local woman, who was named Mary Hogan, she actually was missing and we'll talk about her shortly. Oh, yeah, I just took this lady, yeah. and she's in the back just of my car. Just joking about it at the local bar. By the way, it's Friday. Can you watch my three-year-old? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> my window's broken. I need help. Yeah. Yep. So Ed moved silently, and he remained under police radar for a decade until November 16, 1957. A local hardware store owner named Bernice Warden was reported missing from her store. The cash register was gone, and there was a trail of blood leading all the way out to the back of the store. The last handwritten receipt they found was at 9.30 that morning for antifreeze. Mm. Bernice's son, Frank, he was a deputy sheriff. He had stopped by the store around 5 p.m. to check on his mom, and he discovered the scene. Um, Frank learned that Ed Gein had been spotted in town and actually at the hardware store around the time of Bernice's disappearance. Police considered him the prime suspect and the last person to see Miss Warden alive. So police go to the 195-acre Gein property. Mm-hmm. Huge. It's located at the corner of Archer and 2nd Avenue in Plainfield, Wisconsin. There's houses, there's a house, there's farms, barns, sheds, garages, marshlands. It's freaking huge. Massive. Massive. You think of like an acre, even one acre is huge. Almost 200. 200 acres. 200 acres. Ginormous. I can't even imagine. Sounds like that Thanksgiving song. I got beans, greens, potatoes. (laughs) Yeah. So they knock and there's no answer. Ed's not home. So they leave. Okay. Later on, police go back to the Gein home, and once again, Ed's not there. They're like, what the heck? So this time, they actually look around a little, and they discover an unimaginable scene in the woodshed that doubled as a kitchen. Trigger warning. <sighs> what police discover is truly horrific. They find the body of Bernice woman. Sorry. They find the body of Bernice Warden hanging upside down and gutted like a deer. She had oh been decapitated, and her head and intestines were in a box near her corpse. <sighs> Nails had actually been pounded through her decapitated head's ears. What? Mm -hmm. Police move into the home and they find her heart. They also find another head in a sack. When police remove it, they realize the face looking back at them is that of the tavern owner, Mary Hogan, who went missing three years prior on December 8th, 1954. Horrified, obviously, police are continuing to search the residence and they're finding some really disturbing shit. The plot, thank goodness. Meanwhile, Ed, who's having dinner at his neighbor's house, oh <laughs> is located, and police take him into custody. Um, I still have probably more than half to go, but I think before we jump into what police find, I think it's a pretty good time for us to take a little cheese break. All right, cheese break after that interesting last juicy tidbit from Danielle. Thank you. Who doesn't want to eat right now? Come honestly, on, honestly. Who doesn't want cheese? I'm not crazy okay. at all. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't gotten into the good yes. shit yet. Yes, no, we have not. So I'm uh, just going to lighten it up. I'm going to go back to our cheddar love, our cheddar cheese 
love. Everything is better with cheddar. It is. Oh, it's so good. better with cheddar. Yeah, see, the dog knows. Even Neighbor the dog, dog agrees. All right, so I'm going to go into oh. just a little bit of a history of cheddar. Um, so, of course, cheddar is from originally from the UK. Okay, it's it's most popular in what's second popular in Wisconsin, second popular in the U.S. But again, it's Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. You think of cheddar cheese. You think of cheese curds. You think of that yellow block of goodness. That is the cheddar. I love the accent that came out. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's really funny. So when I go to visit family, um, of course, in Wisconsin, I regain my Wisconsin accent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. especially, like, after, like, talking with my mom on the phone, talking, like, I mean, anything like that, and I get done, and, like, my husband would be like, were you talking to your mom? And I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? He's like, you're, you got your accent right now. And I'm like, no, I don't. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is, I love to death. So I will never... Never fear fear of that. I love it. I wish I was in Wisconsin right now, always. But you know, I love you guys from the Quad Cities. I'd be hard not necessarily in Wisconsin, but it is definitely my favorite state, and therefore, again, my super excitement for this episode. Um, okay, so cheddar cheese from the UK. Um, it is or has been produced since the early 12th century, at least. Dang. So we're thinking King Henry II and Charles I. There were, like, history dated back that they were eating cheddar cheese. Of course And they that they're kings. Why wouldn't they? The best of the best. Come eating on now. like kings. Eating like kings. Cheese of the kings. So that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, a little bit more into it. So cheddar cheese, not necessarily the recipe, but there is a g- gentleman named Joseph Harding, or was a gentleman named Joseph Harding. He was known as the father of cheddar cheese. Oh. Okay, so hey, we Papa. have... Yeah, we have the uh, Guild of Porters from Gouda, and Mm. now we have a father of cheddar cheese. Very interesting titles. I love them all. Hey, cheese daddy. Hey, cheese Mm. daddy. And so (laughs) this gentleman, Joseph, was known for modernization and the standardization of cheddar cheese, which is the process and making of it. Hmm. Which just sound really cool. Okay. okay. Um, so he was, this gentleman was not only responsible for new equipment, the process of making the cheese, because there's an entire process of just making cheddar cheese. With all cheese, but also cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. Specific um, to each kind. Yes. Revolving the breaker. So when you break up the curds and whey, mm-hmm. he was responsible for the initial uh, equipment or, you know, what do you want to call it? Mechanism of doing, of, doing that, okay. of doing that process. Um, his wife and he introduced cheddar cheese to Scotland and North America while his sons, excuse me, his sons, Henry and, Henry and William, I just, I can't, I just can't even process this. Like, guys, I just want to talk about cheese. I was like, what are huns? I don't even know. Okay. Uh, his okay. sons were known to introduce the cheddar cheese production to Australia, furthering into New Zealand. So, uh, thank you, Joseph Harding, for bringing it over to North America because, Appreciate you. hello, hello. Um, another really interesting fact, so during World War II, you know, cops get you in a jump away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was known that, you know, uh, during this time, of course, we're at war, there were rationings of yeah. all foods, not only just on the U.S. side, but also in Great Britain, mm-hmm. which again is where the cheddar originates from. Uh, most of the milk in Britain was used to make single kind of cheese, which turned into government 
cheddar mm. or was known to be government cheddar. Uh. Yeah. So during this time of rationing, the government of Britain as well, again, not just Britain, but also back in the States. Um, all right. No, we're, we're not making variety cheese. You get one kind of cheese and okay. it's going to be cheddar cheese. And it's, gonna it's not even going to be good cheddar cheese but it's gonna be simple cheddar cheese it's, government it's cheddar quick and easy quick and easy quick and easy and cheap as, yes exactly cheap just like and me. as a result most of other cheeses production in the country was like basically wiped out during this time Ooh. And before the war, so before the war, there was probably 35,000, so 3,500, not 1,000, but 3,500 mm-hmm. cheese producers existed. Okay. After the war, about 100 remained. And this, oh, is in, and this is in the UK, okay? I can't say about the US, but in the UK. Um, Their finances were probably depleted, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. And everything, de- and everything I mean, hello, WW2. So, yeah. uh, enough said. Yeah. Um, according to the US Department of Agriculture, cheddar cheese is the world's most popular variety mm. of cheese, most studied type of cheese, and scientific production. Mm. So uh, it is number one in a lot of things. It is a number one. It is a number one in a lot of things. Technically not a number one in production, but it is just one of the most interesting things, or one of the most interesting interesting cheeses. Um, and again, like going back to Joseph Harding, because one of the interesting things was his father of cheese. He uh, was the... <laughs> How's Holy that? shit! What did you bring? I brought. Oh, she just welcome to our. I'm sorry, we had to like a little, little ASMR of garlic chips. Uh, garlic oh chips. Garlic chips and cheese. As we're as we're I'm recording, so we're also snacking. Okay, they're sorry little... to interrupt there. Oh yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> she, she's covering her mouth, and she was chewing so slow, but you could hear every like, crunch. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that, but I oh, like. Oh, I'm my, sure my, they... I got distracted. I'm so sorry. Your ears are bleeding. It was really good. It was really good. Don't eat these while she's talking. Okay. Don't I hope your headphones are are not. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah. Oh, my God. So getting into a little bit of the process, I don't want to go too in-depth because there's a lot of detail, of course, in the making of cheese. But one thing that I did find was really, really cool. So, again, back when cheddar cheese was starting to be created, once the basically mixture of cheese is made and it has to age. Okay, mm-hmm. you're you've done all the making, the mixing, the the, the pressing into the mold, and now yeah. you just have to let it sit. Sit and wait. Okay. okay. So again, we talked about how it was like back in, you know, the early 12th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Henry, uh, King Charles. Um, one of the most important things about cheese making once it's aged is that you need to have it in a temperature controlled environment. Okay, right. you don't want to be loosey-goosey with your temps ups yep. and down because that will seriously funk it up. Yep. Um, so one of the things that they used to do, again, back in the ages, and even some nowadays will still use this method, caves. Oh. Yes. Age the cheese in caves. Yes. And there was an actual, like, a specific cave, um, Cheddar Gorge, which was at the edge of the village of Cheddar, Somerset, so when where Cheddar came from, mm-hmm. that the villagers would use... Um, because of its amount of caves and which would provide the ideal humidity and steady temp for maturing cheese. Work really smarter, cool. not harder. Exactly. Can you imagine I going have this cave or whatever and, and like... coming across a trove of cheese. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, Ma- it's like it's just like basically pirate and you're just like I just found it gold. It's like literally edible gold. It is <laughs> amazing. Just shoving it in every Oh my god, I'm so rich. It's, it's amazing. You okay? Um <laughs> And so, again, fast-forwarding then now to the father of cheese, he was also 
responsible or, you know, they're, you know, part of the process is not only just the cutting of cheese, but a process was called cheddaring. <laughs> mm. Cut the cheese. Cheddaring, you know, cutting the cheese. The cheddaring, which <laughs> refers to an additional step in the production of cheddar cheese, where after heating, the curd is then kneaded with salt, cut into cubes, drained the whey, and then stacked and turned. So again, part of this process. So basically, you make the mixture, which is your milk, mm-hmm. your enzymes, different proteins and enzymes, which essentially just coagulates the milk, makes yeah. it firm. And then um, one of the enzymes is called retin, which is nowadays doesn't always come from, but is sometimes uh, extracted from the stomach of certain, um, what do you want to call it, mammals? Uh, Not like farm mammals, I want to say cows, like something like that. It's how it breaks down. Anyway, once that cheese milky mixture is coagulated uh, and in basically more of a solid form, it's mm-hmm. tested, okay, yeah, so put the knife in the this concoction, comes out clean, okay, now we can cut the curds, and Did basically this wrong. mechanism is like giant, is a giant cheese rake, mm-hmm. where it comes in, and it, you can't see me guys, but I'm like moving my hands around, like almost like, you know, I don't know, what, what's this motion, why would you say this motion is? Like, like a figure swimming. eight. It's like, like, like you're digging around kind of in digging the Digging with too, your, yeah, I don't know, anyway, so these mixtures are cut up by these gigantic cheese rakes, essentially, that cut the um, curds and whey, or curds, into tiny little pieces, so your, your cheese curd size. Yeah. Okay. okay. And the whey is basically the protein mixture that did not coagulate. Got you. Sweet. With the curd. Got you. Okay. In the most layman sense possible. Yes. If I'm wrong, any cheese, other cheese experts, you know, anybody who works in a cheese plant, don't kill me. Just trying to make a layman's terms. Okay? I also don't know anybody else that has a cheese podcast, so get off our ass. Okay? Yeah, exactly. So after but also get on it. it's and- cut up, you're then cutting the curd, you're drain- you essentially cut the curd, let it sit, drain the whey from the curd, so you get all the juices out of it, mm-hmm. okay? And then you take all those curds and you essentially just add salt, add a few other other mixtures, and then you press all these tiny little cheese curds, all these Mm -hmm. little tiny little bits, into loaves or like stacks, compressed. Mm -hmm. Basically, you're just getting all rid of all the moisture. You want to get all rid of all the moisture, Um, not all of it because it gets crumbly, but just enough where it just solidifies it into blocks. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then kind of squish them all into molds. Yeah. And then that's where you, you know, step into your aging process. Very interesting. If you want Ah. just like regular cheese curds, that's what you're eating. You're eating... That cheese curd, been done. Yeah. yes, and it's I'm sure aged. there's like other things that are added to it, but it's this very, very interesting process. Which again, not all cheeses have to go through, but cheddar does. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. It does that extra step for you just because it cares ex- about there's you. There's all different oh, types of processing, but I thought it was really, really cool because yeah. again, I love cheese. And another known fact about me: so again, I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, going up north, as one we one would say, or as we would say in my family, to go visit other. Wisconsin family members, we would always go to this specific uh, cheese plant in Wisconsin. It's called Mullins Cheese. Mm. And uh, we would go and just do that. Go to the cheese plant. Because it had my little cooler. <laughs> it says Mullins Cheese on. cooler says Mullins I know. Exactly. So I am a Mullins girl thrown through. It yes. is amazing plant. If you're up in the upper Wisconsin area, Sponsor I totally us. 100% think you should stop by. I don't care what you're doing. Um, it's, it's outside of the town of Knowlton, Wisconsin, but growing up, it used to be this little tiny little cheese factory. It's family owned and operated still to this day, which is really, really cool. Um, 
And I remember as a kid going there and they used to have like in their gift shop where you would, you know, again, buy the cheese. They'd have this humongous window where you could actually see yes. the cheese being curded and cut and yes. like raked through. And it was like such a cool thing because you got to see the entire process. You see it being made and you're about to eat that. I'm about to eat mm. the squeaky cheese curd mm-hmm. mess. And it was just, I don't know, super, super, super close to my cool. heart. And I loved it so much. And again, makes Wisconsin even more amazing. Honestly. Um, one of the things I read uh, recently, so this year, um, from the month, according to cheese production stats, which I found online on wisconsincheese.com, look it up. <laughs> um, again, number one, cheese made, mozzarella. Number two, cheese made, cheddar, soon after. From the months of just this year, 2022, from January to May, there has been 1,432.1 million pounds made of Wisconsin cheese. Damn. Oh my gosh. It's a lot of fucking cheese. Again, going back to, uh, there's 126 yeah. different cheese plants at least, and those mm. were from stats from, you know, back in 2014. So, so it's probably at least friggin' doubled. Everybody loves if cheese. If you go, like, you know, Google www.wisconsincheese.com, there is a list of all the different cheese plants you can visit. Some of them have retail stores separately. Mm-hmm. Some of them have retail stores that you can visit that are attached to the plant, which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. I know Knowlton's now, or excuse me, Mullins in Knowlton, or outside of Knowlton, Wisconsin. Mullins now, you can still go there, but you, unfortunately you can't actually see the cheese production. Mm. They've gotten so big, which is amazing because mm-hmm. they're growing. You no longer have that exciting aspect of actually being being present or being mm. on the other side of a window to oh, yeah. uh, see the cheese made. But they do have ongoing uh, video recordings. In their, oh, okay. In well, that's their, neat. Um, you know, gift shop that you can see the recordings of like, oh, this is the process and this is where it is. And, and now this is your cheese. Yes. All right. So <laughs> now to the fun part. I got all that out. I'm super excited about it. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, to introducing today, we are just eating a mild cheddar. And it's not, unfortunately, from Mullins Cheese, but it is from a, let me get my little bag out here. It is from a Wisconsin cheese plant you probably see it in stores there's very popular it's called Shulsbury creamery mm. mild cheddar cheese yes Ooh. and so that's mm-hmm. what we're snacking on right now today um it's delicious again block of cheese i mean it's, it's it's the go-to snack i don't know about you guys growing up mom i'm hungry i want a snack she'd hunk off a piece of cheese I'm like here eat this dinner's in five you know eat some mm-hmm. cheese eat some cheese yeah. go for yeah. it um, Except for it was like actually it was like the American slice cheese. Oh, yeah. It wasn't uh, now we get the, a big old single, slice. single slice. Yeah, here you go. Eat this. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. That's American cheese. We'll get it. We'll, we can get it into those in other episodes. Oh, but American gosh. cheese. Um, and so we have here today our cheddar cheese. It is known to be well paired with a wheat cracker. Mm. Okay. 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 Pairs well with that. So I have some wheat crackers, wheat dinner crackers, as one would say, mm. uh, with us today. Ones. As well as, you know, the go-to apple. And then we also have a pear today to, to pair them with. <laughs> that was <laughs> pear. That was really funny. <laughs> and Side note, I did pick up that pear thinking it was a green apple. And when I bit into it, I was like, oh. Oh, God. Oh, this is not it. This is not. Am I okay? Apple. It's, not, it's still good. So you see the Fire. softness, because, you know, it, it is warm out today, and we are eating cheese. So the cheese itself usually is a more harder, firmer cheese. But again, it's summertime. We're outside. It's the Midwest. We're living it. Living and it so up. we're going to pair it with a little bite of cheddar, a little bite of pear. Mm. It's good. Oh, that pear you get, is so good. The pear is really tender. It's just a regular, you know, green pear. It's not a fancy red pear or anything like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you get the softness of the sweetness of the pear, of course, but then that cheddar, that mild cheddar, just mm-hmm. kind of gives it a, I don't want to say a bite because it's not sharp. It's mild. Yeah. Very important. Um, but it definitely gives it a little bit more of a kick. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's delicious. That's wholesome. I yeah, agree. it's very wholesome. So those That's are my cheese want. facts for today, guys. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm going to munch a little bit. Yeah. Use <laughs> some of these garlic chips. All right, now that we've had a little cheese reprieve, oh, let's like jump that. back in. So police arrest Gein, who, like I said, was eating dinner with his neighbors, <laughs> um, and they confront him with what they found in his woodshed. Gein doesn't deny that he did it, but he claims to not remember the events that happened at the hardware store because of, remember, a massive aversion to the sight of blood. Ugh. Police determined that Bernice had been shot first and then her throat was slit. Mm. Gein claimed that he was in a dazed state and doesn't remember shooting her. He also says that he's in this dazed state during um, the time that he spent grave robbing. He says mm-hmm. when he entered the cemetery, he became dazed. So here's his account of the events that took place on November 16th, 1957. He tells police that he went to the hardware store to get antifreeze. While he's there, he decides to test out some ammo in his rifle. Um, and it was the first day of hunting season, I guess, so it wasn't really weird. You're right, right. Nothing yeah. out of the huge. Yeah. So he thinks the gun accidentally goes off. He remembers, quote, Maybe. dragging her across the floor and loading her in the back of her pickup that was parked out back. Then I drove up in the pine trees. Then I walked into town, got in my car, drove it out there, loaded her body and cash register in the car. Then I drove it out <laughs> to my farm and hung her up by her heels in my woodshed, end quote. Because that seems normal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I did. That's, that's what I did. That's just what I did. He tells police that this that this was the only murder he committed. Mm-hmm. The cops were like, oh, really? So how do you explain <laughs> the other head we found in your home that belonged to Mary Hogan? Right, right. Gene's like, oh, ha, that one. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so I only committed two murders, <laughs> and that's it. So when Mary Hogan went missing, a farmer had found a trail of blood leading out to the back of the tavern, just like at the hardware store. Uh, Mary Hogan, I'll say she was a foul-mouthed divorcee who had suspected ties to organized crime, and yeah. she also owned a tavern. Gein, remember, was reli- raised by a religious yep. fanatic, so yeah. he thought that this was unacceptable. Um, I'm not sure if this was the only reason he killed her or if she looked like his mom, too. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find familiar. that anywhere. Yeah. You're done. Mom? So, <laughs> Gein says that he shot Mary on December 8th, 1954, and presumably he does the same thing that he did with Bernice, but actually was able to carry out the whole thing with Mary because he was interrupted with Bernice. Oh my mm-hmm. So police immediately did not suspect Gein when Mary went dis- uh, went missing because they thought that her checkered pass had finally caught up to her. Remember, she had ties to organized yep. crime. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So while police are interrogating Gein, they're also searching his home and uncovering stuff that literally inspired the most gruesome horror movies, like nightmare shit. Mm-hmm. Okay? So here's what they find in the infamous House of Horrors. Trigger okay. warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. <laughs> okay. Plug your ears, Kelly. I know. I want to your ears. I want to know. They find a pair of women's lips sewn to the end of a curtain pole. You what? know that curtain pole that you would pull down? Women's lips was sewn onto the end of that. Yep. They find a massive library full of books and articles about cannibalism, headhunting, shrunken heads, Grey's Anatomy. Not not the show. Oh, my The book, God. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, right. um, Let's be clear here. And a lot of Nazi propaganda about making lampshades out of human skin. Oh, my God. He did have a collection of shrunken heads that he once showed off to his neighbor, Bob Hill, 
the same neighbor he was having dinner with the night that he was arrested. Huh, what was that? Um, Ed told Bob that he had a cousin that lived in the Philippines, and he, he was the one that sent him the shrunken heads. When in actuality, oh, he shrink would shrink them himself. He did this by removing the head from the body. He would remove the scalp and the hair from the head, and then he would boil it to shrink it down. Yep. Even with the skull, like the skull mm. even like shrink down with it. Like, oh my goodness. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taxidermists. Can mm-hmm. we can we hear Grandma? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some notes. I, I don't Not. know. Um, they found lampshades made of human skin. So he went ahead and followed out the <sighs> articles that he read from the Nazis and made love, some. You like my lovely decor? Yeah. yeah. So he um, had Beautiful. organs in jars. Some of them were preserved, and some of them were in the fridge. Like I said, it was speculated that he was a cannibal, but Gein does deny it. Mm. They found four chairs that were upholstered with human skin. So, like, the oh chairs were gosh. sitting on, the bottom yes. of them were human skin. Yes. yes. Just got being excited yep. over there. Yep. Like, geez, you're like, oh, my God, I love yep. it. <laughs> they found an armchair made out of bones. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like the whole armchair? Like the whole yes. armchair was crafted by bones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> they found nine dried vulvas. Oh. Let me repeat it in case you missed it. Nine dried vulvas in a box that were sprinkled with salt to preserve them. <gasps> I'm not done. Oh my god. They found waste baskets made of human skin. Waste baskets? Like- Garbage cans made of human skin. Like uh-huh. this little one right over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Made of human skin. Yep. They found oh. skulls on bedposts fashioned to the end of bedposts. So, you know, like, yeah. They found a collection of noses. They found a wall hanging made completely of body parts. They found skulls that he used as bowls and ashtrays. Uh-huh. They also found human bones that were fashioned with the heads of forks and spoons that he used as utensils. Mm-hmm. He, they found nine to ten death masks, which were made from dead women's faces. Yes. And it was their entire face, yes. including the eyebrows and the eyelids with the eyelashes still attached. Oh, my God. And he wore these. Mm-hmm. One of them was Mary Hogan, and I'm assuming one was probably his mother because he did remove her head. Right. But I'm well, not okay, she sure. He was also grave robbing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, they nice. found skin suits. They found suits. these suits consisted of leggings that were made by literally skinning a woman's <gasps> legs. Oh, my God. They also called them skin pants. Mm-hmm. Scants. From Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin from Wisconsin. Oh, Oh, yeah. They found a corset that was fashioned out of human skin that he wore to trim his waist down and make him look more feminine. Oh, my goodness. They found a belt that was made out of nipples. My favorite part! Oh, I did do it. Yep, he had sewn a bunch of nipples around and used it as a belt. Have you seen it? Oh, I've seen it. And if you click on any of the sources in our show notes, one of them takes you directly to a website that has pictures. So, trigger warning, Google is free, so Google at your own risk, but it is pretty gnarly. Wow. They found... It's so cool. It's nasty. It's so cool. Yeah. The nipple belt was neat. Crazy. Uh, They found... um, Girl? They found a mammary vest... Which a was a mammary vest. Oh. Which was fashioned out of a woman's upper body, including the breasts. So, a literal vest that he made out of the upper torso of a body. He, like, skinned the body. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, they found wrist-length gloves that were made out of the skin of human hands. They found a necklace that was made up of five tongues that were strung together on a cord. Tongues. Tongues. I would think, like, teeth. 
tongue. He's still equally as disgusting yeah. and disturbing, but I'm just thinking. Nope. Tongues. <laughs> he went all the way out. Went all the way out. He went. He uh, had homemade dresses that he had made out of the skin of his victims. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. He had an apron that consisted of nipples, faces, ears, and other pieces of skin that were quilted together almost with mm-hmm. large, black, thick stitches. Like, okay, so that's like check. Texas Chainsaw like theme. Like, I never saw the movie. I've seen plenty of Mm -hmm. movie posters. Kids. Okay. Gnarly. So the police, obviously, just as you two are, are completely horrified and say that there is no way that he just killed two women. There's, like, we have... They apparently found um, the amount of hand fashion items that were made from human remains they discovered had come from at least ten women. Ten So, yeah. So mm-hmm. this is when Ed filled them in Jesus. on the five-year span he spent grave robbing. Oh, yeah, by the way, yep. I haven't killed anybody. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. The police are dumbfounded, and they still don't believe him. They're like, no, there's no way. So they decide to do some digging of their own, mm-hmm. literally. Um, after Gein gave them a list of about eight or nine names of women that he claimed to have exhumed. What? Mm-hmm. So police obtained permission from the families of two women. Uh, one of those is Eleanor Adams, and the other is Mabel Everson. They exhumed Adams first because she was buried literally right next to Gein's parents. So they assumed if he's going to be grave robbing, he's probably going to do this one do first because it it's right there. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they discover, once they un- uncover the coffin, they discover that the cover of her coffin was split into two lengthwise. Mm-hmm. Eleanor Adams' body was missing from her casket and in her place was a 12-inch crowbar. <laughs> Gein later admitted that he exhumed her only a couple hours after her burial. Mm-hmm. She was still quote-unquote yep. fresh yep. yep everson was exhumed next and the lid was broken as well her corpse was gone so the da declared well this verifies Gein's story and they did not exhume all of the bodies oh my god idiots Gein admitted to robbing at least 40 graves but police are unsure of the actual number because once they found the two they're like yeah oh, he definitely he did done. this yeah and they're probably not gonna be able to find consent from all of the families oh, money wise too so they're like yep he did this so, while they're doing all of this stuff, he remains in custody, and they continue to investigate his house of horrors. Mm-hmm. Okay? Literally. And as you can imagine, after word gets out on this horrific scene, the media goes fucking nuts. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. It's harmless. Oh my god, you yeah. watched my kids. Yes. <laughs> the once quiet town of Plainfield, Wisconsin, explodes with press and tourists, and they really, like, end up on the map, essentially. Not so plain yeah. anymore. Yep. People wanted to see the now infamous house of horrors, where the butcher of Plainfield dismembered women, skinned them, preserved their body parts, and used them to make furniture, household items, and clothing. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. The media was very greedy in this case, and they hounded police for as much information as possible. Literally thousands of people, like, swarmed to the property as police continued their investigation. Um, And there's actually pictures of people peeking into the window while police are investigating. Like, it was insane. There was no, like, cordoning off of the crime scene. Like, it, people were like, what the fuck is happening? Right. So at some point in the investigation, Gein did offer to lead investigators to area on the farm where he claims to have buried some bones. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they arrived to his house, the press was surrounding the house. Right. They're, they're like, camping Some out there. Swarming. Yep. So Ed sees how many people are there, and he refuses to get out and lead investigators to the potential oh, burial so sites. Yeah, so yeah. So I think the media definitely interfered in this case, but again, this case was huge and was the first one of, of it its not? kind, and yeah. they're like, holy shit. How yeah. Not? Yeah. So I know earlier we talked a little bit about how it's speculated that he was a cannibal, but he does deny this vehemently, and he also denies ever having sex with corp- corpses. Like, he denies any of that. Like, because no. he says that the corpses smelled too bad. Duh. 
Mm. <laughs> Weird. Weird. Weird how that works. Yeah. You still fucking yeah. exhumed them, cut 40 them up, freaking and, graves. Res- and, and preserved the yeah. skin of these apparently smelly corpses. But they smelled too bad, and yeah, I can't stand the sight of blood. There's no way. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. Granted, a corpse doesn't bleed. Well, I don't know what the embalming process, though, was right. back yeah, then. You never know. I don't that's know. True. Somebody tell us, or we'll look it up later. But right. um, he says that his goal was not to eat them, but instead to preserve the body, to look at, to touch, and to wear. Many say that the media really sensationalized his crimes, Jeez. and they made him out to be like a cartoonish vampire, when in reality, he was just a severely mentally ill man. Like, yeah. 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 I don't really want no, that. I don't really he's need his, him. He's in his, like, 50s or 60s now, yeah. right? When he gets arrested, it's 19, what, 40, when did, was it 50? No, it's 40. No, it's 57. Yeah. It's 57. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so at this yeah. point, he's, like, 50. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're, like, idolizing this yeah. mentally ill 50 Correct. Who's, yeah, literally had a mental break. Yeah. So his crimes were often so joked about that people would call you a geener. Uh, and a geener what? is somebody who made jokes and exaggerated his crimes, which actually ended up spreading false information. Right. Yep. Right. For example, a little uh, bedtime story, little little uh, nursery rhyme that they would say is, Old Ed pulled the trigger and Mary fell dead. He took his old axe and cut off her head. Then he took his hacksaw and cut her in two, one half for hamburger, the other for stew. Uh. Another joke that they would <laughs> tell would be, why did they have to keep the heat up in Ed Gein's house? Nobody? Nobody? So the furniture won't get goosebumps. Ah, oh, oh, fuck that. Oh, yeah, gross. Yeah, so yeah. the furniture don't get yeah. goosebumps. That's yeah. good. That's terrible. Yeah. That's it's terrible. Oh, that's So uh, a psychologist actually traveled to Plainfield to study this humor phenomenon that was yeah. going on in this case. He thought it was funny. He's like, it's not funny. Everybody's making jokes. Everybody's like, haha. Like, so a psychologist is like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. So they discovered that the jokes were a good coping mechanism for the townsfolk. They oh, helped ease actually. their anxiety after Gein's grisly crimes that's were revealed. Cool. I mean, he was their neighbor. He did yeah. odd jobs for them. He babysat some of their kids. They're like, that could have been me. Ha <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, you're crazy. Eyes. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. So, like I said, his crimes were the stuff of horror movies, um, and they were actually based on that. So, literally, uh, yeah. we're, we're going to talk about some crimes, or we're going to talk about how his crimes inspired uh, some of Hollywood's most terrifying serial killers. Yes. First up, we're going to talk about Psycho. Yes. Psycho was written by Robert Block who actually only lived about 30 minutes from where the crimes had taken place in Wisconsin. How crazy. Um, The book that he wrote would soon lead to the film adaptation directed by Alfred Hitchcock in 1960. Um, It's said to be loosely based off of the killings of Ed Gein. However, uh, Robert Block actually said in his memoir that he, quote, based the story on the situation rather than any person living or dead involved in the Gein affair, end quote. He also said he knew nothing of Gein himself, and years later he did... How could you not? Yeah, years later, he says he, quote, discovered how closely the imaginary character, Norman Bates, resembled the real Ed Gein, end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen Psycho, basically Norman yeah. Bates is a shy, awkward young man with a devotion to his mom that would Tall, literally make him stop that's at nothing. That's how they pictured him. That's, that's yeah. how they pictured him in the yeah. original Psycho, and then mm-hmm. how he's depicted in in. Yeah, Bates I love the actor Hotel. that plays him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, man. So next one, like I talked about earlier, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm talking about the 1974 one. Uh, Like I said, it was released early 70s. It was directed by Toby Hooper. The co-writer actually said that she studied Ed Gein for this movie. Um, The movie is loosely based off of his crimes, like the skin suits, the butcher aspect, Mm -hmm. the isolated farm. Um, And she says it was 
basically what it would have been like if the entire family was in on the plot, mm. not just Gein. Yeah. And like I said, that movie's fucked up. So uh, next one is The Silence of the Lambs. It was released in 1991, starring Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. Fucking classic. Mm -hmm. It's a psychological thriller, um, and it's actually speculated that Buffalo Bill, who was played by Ted Levine, is loosely based off of Ed Gein. Um, Like the skin suit, but he's also based off of serial killer Jerry uh, Brudos, who wore the clothes of his victims. So Buffalo Bill is like Ed Gein, and Jerry Brudos had a kid, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Cute. Um, a couple other movies I wanted to mention was House of a Thousand Corpses. That's a Rob Zombie one. Um, mm-hmm. One of the characters, Otis B. Driftwood, is said to be based off of him and his weird skin suits and dismembering shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you remember on the little tour that they do, uh, Captain Spaulding actually has a Gein exhibit in his museum. Um, exhibit. I yeah. don't know. Have you guys seen that movie, House Oh shit! All right, all right. This is like this is a different brand of scary. It is. It is. It's one of those. It's very interesting. I'm glad I don't see any pictures right now. (laughs) This is very, very uh, thrilling. Just listening about it. You don't need. You don't need to see it. You just need to hear it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Um, Last one I'll say um, was American Horror Story: The Asylum. Um, Yes. So Dr. Oliver Threadson, who was played by Zachary Quinto. Um, is said to be based off of Ed Gein because he's a serial killer who beheads his victims and skins them to make furniture and basically the death masks that Ed Gein had made. Which I fucking love that season of American Horror Story and I did not know that until I just did my research. I was like, huh, interesting. All right, so after Gein admits to the murders of Bernice and Mary, he ends up pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. He was deemed unfit to stand trial in 1957 and was transferred to Central State Hospital in Wisconsin. While there, he was described as having a good appetite and he never talked back to anybody. <laughs> he was very happy at the hospital, but it was a confined, confined place. It had strict rules and a regimented schedule, um, which essentially reminded yeah. him of being at yeah. home with his mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, he worked odd jobs like he was a mason, a carpenter's assistant, and even spent some time... Um, being an aide in the medical center. Oh my God, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, you need help skinning him? No. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, we just leave the skin on. Yeah. Okay, got oh, it. Got oh, it. Oh, my bad. Never mind. Uh, yeah. I just, I thought yeah. we were doing it. I thought, I thought, I thought we were doing it. I thought we were doing it. Never mind. But the fact that they let him do other jobs, like, yeah. is still so insane because, again, yes, it's the 50s, but he just kept, they just found you can't all even that just, stuff. Yes. They found all that stuff in his house. Okay, so fine. He wasn't found fit to withstand trial and mm-hmm. go to an actual prison. So he goes to a mental hospital, essentially a facility, mm-hmm. essentially, whatever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and they're like, oh well, he's he's butterkeen. He's Jelly doing bean. great. Like, he's totally fine. Yeah. Let's have him help us with these other things. Like Let's have him use a saw and you know cut some wood or yeah. I don't oh, I don't know exactly what he was doing, in but man's yes, hands who obviously knows how to use is unstable as fuck, and which yeah. is why he's there. Like if people monitoring him, no, no I bet it's not, not constant Sorry. supervision, not. especially not in the fifties. There's nothing like that. Yeah. That is absolutely bananas. It's insane. Um, while he's incarcerated, they actually were going to do an auction at his house. Um, they put up flyers all around Plainfield and the surrounding areas. They were going to auction off all of his belongings and his property. What? And I'm assuming not the property of his that was oh, like right. the, skin. the skin suits and the chairs, but right. um, everything else. 
Everything must yep. go. But unfortunately, before the auction happened, his head, his uh, home burned down. It was a suspected oh, arson, no. but it burned down in 1958. So the next year, it was like oh, a couple dude. months after he was officially arrested. Oh, how sad. Um, so he spends his time at the, you know, mental hospital. He's having a great time. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, in 1968, he is declared fit to strand- stand trial, which is obviously going to be insane. The DA actually tried to have a news blackout so that potential jurors would not be biased, but that was obviously impossible. He was only tried for Bernice Warden's murder because the evidence that police had was more solid in her case, and it would cost the taxpayers less money if they tried the more solid case, essentially. Okay. okay. Um, the judge found the, him... the sure deal. Yes, correct. It was more of a sure deal, like he was caught pretty much in the act of dismemberment. Okay. He wasn't there, I like but, it, but I don't yeah. need it. Um, the judge found that he was guilty by reason of insanity, so he was insane at the time of the murder. Um, legal insanity is described as, uh, you are unable to assist and confer with your attorney, and also you did not know the difference between right and wrong due to your mental illness. And, like we said, his mental illness was, the list goes on and on. So, psychologists say that Gein was most likely in a disassociative state while committing the murders, which is an altered state of consciousness during the event. So, remember, he describes his... Uh, days state or when he blacks out yep so the doctors also say that ed's mother augusta was a huge motivator for his violent and twisted crimes gein had an overwhelming desire for a substitute for his mother in the form of a replica or a body that could be kept uh and stored essentially little poor little mom skeletons nasty he was sentenced to remain at central state hospital for the rest of his natural life because he was doing so good there so like we'll just keep you there yeah. <laughs> you're doing great um, you're flourishing yeah man. exactly so towards the end of the 1970s he was sent to mendota mental health institute due to his failing health and that's where he died on july 26 1984 at the age of 77 due to complications with cancer mm. um he was buried in the plainfield cemetery one of the places he frequented to yes. exhume bodies yes. And he is buried in between his mom and his brother. The grave is unmarked now because people would come and chip off pieces of his tombstone to take his souvenirs. And yeah. eventually his tombstone was stolen in 2000. Um, it turned up, though, in Seattle, Washington in 2001. And it's now in a museum there. Mm-hmm. Dang. Last part I want to talk about. Um, he did struggle with gender dysphoria, but right. he was also unable to receive, like, psychological counseling, hormone therapy, sex reassignment surgery. Um, so he improvised. It, I read somewhere that those little, improvised. that box of dried yep. woman parts he would put on top of his own. And yep. that's, yeah. He would pretend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hanneman Archive, uh, it was a source that said that some of the body parts that were, co- were recovered from his home belonged to an eight-year-old named Georgia Jean Reckler, who disappeared in 1947, and 15-year-old Evelyn Hartley, who disappeared in 1953. Also, he's rumored to be involved in the disappearance of two men who were last seen at a Plainfield tavern. But if you look at them, they have nothing in common with his mother. Yeah. But psychologists say that sometimes serial killer will satisfy themselves. They're coming over. Yeah. Sorry. Could it be um, that the two men look similar to his father? I, it, it very well could be. Um, like I said, sometimes they will satisfy themselves with like a substitute kill to su- like satisfy the urge that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even if the victim doesn't resemble the ideal victim they want. Yep. But his mom was his main. Like, Swords, idolation. Yeah. So I don't know if he would kill for his dad. I don't know. Right. It's very possible. But um, he's l- only concretely linked to those two women. That is okay. so, so crazy. 
Joaquin. Sorry, I skipped a part here. So like I said, he's only concretely linked to the two murders. But a serial killer is someone who kills more than three people over at least a month time with a cooling off period in between. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's serial. only been convicted. He's only linked to the two. So, right. so is he a serial killer? Mm -hmm. I. He is. He totally he, has to be. He did admit to other murders, um, but police gave him a polygraph and it revealed that he was only telling the truth about Warden uh, and Hogan's death. But okay. he was very impressionable, and he just wanted to please the officers. Right. Yeah, right. Tell you what um, here. Correct. So, is Ed Gein a serial killer? Thoughts? You know, I think I, I would definitely lean towards yes, because of the single fact that when they were uprooting all the bodies that he apparently had uprooted previously, they stopped at two. Mm -hmm. They yeah. stopped at two, which I understand, again, there has to be a certain process. Not all the family members would have consented, and I totally get that. But did they? Did they even ask? Did they even that's ask what I'm all saying. the family members? Mm -hmm. No. They're just no like, idea. oh, well, no. two. That's good enough for this me. This verifies his story. Let's close her up. I don't think. And again, like you think, like that's back in the forties. Like you know, it's definitely not today. No, it's not today. Yeah, it's a long Where time ago. I feel you know something like this happens today. Oh yeah, you better believe they're gonna look up all those all mm -hmm. those graves. With yeah. family consent. And I don't 100%. even know if they would necessarily need all family's consent if it was that big of a... Probably not. Not Probably not nowadays. It's probably automatically yeah. given. Like, but, yeah, so you, we, even to this day, you have no idea how many graves are being robbed. How many parts he took from people. Mm -hmm. That he robbed, let and it's alone, been, even, maybe even thinking that how many people that he actually could have killed that just, again... Oh, exactly. they just left town. They just exactly. left town, or they had a bad and he history, wasn't or like you know, yeah. wasn't suspected at all. Like I mean, that's that's what makes me think that for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. They they can't just be those two. Well, and then if you think about his brother, I he think one hundred percent he killed his brother. Oh yeah. yeah. So that would be I, three kills. So I easily, think if you count that in, which he never admitted to, I think he's a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Leatherface. Ugh. So creepy. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, are you guys okay? Did I make you throw up? No, you did not make me throw up. Okay, she survived. Definitely gonna think about like, it tonight. Mouth so. dropped the entire time. It just kept getting worse. Like worse. I said, I messaged them while I was researching, and I just kept saying, like, oh my God. "It just keeps getting worse and oh worse and mm -hmm. worse." And then, like again, just to find, like, oh yeah, he's a really calm, collect guy. It's just odd but harmless. Harmless, <laughs> no. like great. You lie. Great. Okay, you lie. okay, well, next time you meet somebody, you're like, oh, yeah, they're a little off, but they're totally harmless. I'm going to think of, I'm thinking of Ed Gein. Maybe second guess, not to say that all the oddballs are harmless. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, like, hey, hey, take, mm -hmm. a, take a moment just to really, really evaluate. Don't completely dismiss this person that is giving you uncomfortable vibes. Correct. Right. Trust Correct. your instincts. And, you know, just Run. because popular belief... <laughs> Is one thing doesn't mean that it is. It yeah. can. It definitely can be, but that doesn't mean it always is. Nope. Accurate. Yeah. Accurate. So what we learned from this episode, don't let anybody watch your kids. Don't let anybody watch your kids. Because <laughs> he uh, could be a serial killer that butchers people. I guess you're just duped. You just no, no date nights. Sorry. You have to stay home Sorry, Mom. 18. Sorry, Dad. Fuck. Hey guys, I'm opening a babysitting company. <laughs> Eddie, kidding. is that you? <laughs> I can't you? stand kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you ladies sitting through this horrific episode. I appreciate any listeners that made it this far as well. Yes. And with that, 
We'll be back next week with another episode, yeah? Yay! Bye. Bye! Bye!